Welcome to the City Confessions. I'm Marianne Yip, a native New Yorker, and I'm here to discuss all the thoughts that go to the minds of people living in New York City. Since I'm a native who was born and raised in a city that never sleeps, I come across people who are constantly in a rush. I would like to take a moment to sit down and talk about what's on their minds and what keeps them up at night. So sit back and let's dive into these confessions of people I know and people I just met. Hi guys, welcome back to the City Confessions. I hope you are all doing well. Today I have Haley Hoffman-Smith. She's a motivational speaker, author, and entrepreneur, and she has been named one of today's most influential female speakers by Forbes, which is such a huge deal, and I'm so honored that she's on. So hi Haley, how are you? Hi, I'm good, how are you? Great. I'm so happy that uh, we were able to do this. We had a little bit of technical difficulties, but (laughs) here we are. So why don't we begin by having you introduce yourself to the listeners. Tell us who you are, what you do, and if you can also say a little bit about your relationship with New York City. Sure. So... I, I guess I'll, I'll explain who I am around the context of New York City. So I grew up in Colorado and growing up in Colorado, my biggest dream for my life was to be a talk show host. I kind of got away from that dream because I felt like it wasn't credible or I didn't see a clear path forward for it. So I ended up going to college and while in college, I studied entrepreneurship and business through a gender studies lens. I went to Brown University and while at Brown, I started a company that helped women bring their own big ideas to life. Like it it was an incubator called the Her Big Idea Incubator. And that was based off my previous entrepreneurship experience. I had started an international nonprofit. I had published a first book. And so I really wanted to help female founders bring bring their own ideas to life. And once I graduated, I published my second book called Her Big Idea. I did a big speaking tour for it called Your Big Idea to college students. And I loved the experience of getting up on stage and helping people feel like they have the ideas that they have for a reason, the desires they have for a reason. And then I turned all of that content and my love for motivational speaking into my own podcast and moved out to New York City to go after being a talk show host for real. So I moved out here in February, which was really bad timing as it turns out with COVID and everything. But I decided I would just give my all on TikTok and just produce motivational content there. And so that's been really fruitful and it's exciting to connect with audience members there. And now I'm just continuing to expand upon that, working on my third book, um, expanding my podcast, posting every day on TikTok. I just started a YouTube and um, New York City is just like my soil. It makes me feel so alive to wake up here in the city every morning. And to me, it really exhibits going after my dreams. I love hearing that. So did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur and a motivational speaker? Like what was your dream if your parents came to you at like five years old, 10 years old? What what would your answer have been then? I would have said an actress or a TV show host for sure. The entrepreneurship thing was 
kind of random. I actually didn't even know I was becoming an entrepreneur when I started my first company, which was a nonprofit. I thought I was just pursuing a project, but I was so compelled by the idea of donating books to girls internationally that I decided to go after it. And then I remember my aunt said, I commend your entrepreneurial spirit. And I was like, what? I didn't even know I was an entrepreneur. So yeah, that all kind of evolved in this organic yet unexpected way. Wow. And what do you remember your first, first talk and what was that like? And how did that spearhead your whole career in terms of public speaking? So most of my first talks were actually being on panels about entrepreneurship, but then my first actual talk, um, I was essentially invited to come speak at a school in Cleveland after my book came out. And that was the first time anyone had ever asked me to come speak as like, I am the headliner. I'm the only one speaking and it's not on a panel. And that's what gave me the confidence to start pitching myself to other schools. And my very first talk was at Northeastern in Boston. I was scared to death. I was so nervous. I practiced my talk maybe upwards of like 72 times on the day of. <laughs> and I just remember being like parched thirsty because whenever I get thirsty, my mouth gets really dry. Oh and my God, me too. Yeah, <laughs> just being so nervous. But also there was one time in the middle of the talk that <clears throat> I shared part of my story and I, you know, it was my first time hearing or seeing the reactions of the audience and the entire audience broke out into applause about this like beautiful part of my story. And it was just such a cool experience to see how like the things that I had gone through and the way that I was conceptualizing it and presenting it to people was helping them in some way. And then also resonating with them because you never know how your talk is going to resonate until you're in front of the audience, like you're seeing their reactions. And it, it was just a special moment to have that like burst of applause in the middle of the talk. Mm -hmm. And did you ever take public speaking courses or was it just trial and error? Trial and error. I actually would just practice in my living room. <laughs> That's how I came up with my talks too, as I would just like start talking and see what came out. I think I had a natural affinity for just like speaking in general, just because I wanted to be a talk show host so badly one day. I think it was just kind of one of my skill sets that I was that I was born with. I don't think necessarily you need public speaking classes. The hardest thing truly is stage fright, but I had such terrible stage fright and made it through and now I'm fine that I want anyone who's listening to know that even if you if it terrifies you to think about getting out on stage and there's still part of you that wants to do it, you can't overcome the fear. And it's just through practice and getting up on stage time and time again. Right. I know that you stand a lot for you know, pushing women to just go after their dreams, right? If they have an idea to really just take action and just do it. What do you think personally is the biggest hindrance to women's like motivation? Do you think it's fear or do you think it's something else? Um, I don't, I would actually say it's less about like, oh, all women have the same hindrance. Um, I'm mm -hmm. saying it's a person to person thing based off of the things that happened to you when you were growing up. And not just like, oh, you went through these traumatic events, although sometimes that can be the case, but things that happened that made you reinterpret your worth and usually in a false way. So usually when we look deeper at the reasons that people feel like they're not worthy or they feel scared to go after a certain action is because at one point they did try to do something similar and someone told them they couldn't do it or they failed or they watched someone else fail. And so now that my work is closely tied in with looking at subconscious programming and inner work and limiting beliefs, I see how much it's less about something where like, oh, all, all women or all people all have this one main issue. It's more like in each person's individual lives, 
they have likely come to internalize or create a story in their heads around why they can't do something or why they could fail at it. Mm -hmm. And it's about identifying those limiting beliefs and then obliterating them. And that's why I talk about affirmations and emotional freedom technique in order to feel like you can actually move forward because otherwise you'll always be met with resistance. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. And I wanted to clarify, I didn't mean like all women. And I definitely, yeah, I agree that uh, everybody's story um, and situation is different. I just wanted to, I guess, explore the concept of fear, right? Because I do think fear is a big uh, factor in a lot of people's just, I guess, motivation. I mean, I'm not sure. How do you feel about that? Yeah, definitely. I think it all comes down to fear. And if you think about like our subconscious mind, so our subconscious mind there is a record of every single thing that's ever happened to us or happened around us. So that means even if you were like napping when you were a kid and your parents were having a conversation near you when you were napping, your subconscious mind still has a record of that, which is really crazy. Like that's how we actually become imprints of our environment. And the subconscious is rigged to keep us safe. And so if anything is perceived as scary or dangerous or threatening, then our subconscious is going to speak up and it's not going to, we're not going to hear our subconscious say like, that seems unsafe, but like we will feel nervous or we will feel resistance or we will feel this like sense of impending doom when it comes time to do something that's out of our comfort zones. Mm, Yeah, it's really, really interesting. You talk a lot about, you know, limiting beliefs and just like not allowing that voice in your head or something from the past that's happened to really stop you from accomplishing your goals. Um, Is there a time, I guess, you can recall in your own experience where people didn't believe in you or, you know, just like had a moment where you wanted to prove people wrong? Yeah. What comes to mind for me when you were asking that question, which is such a good question, is my first time ever going to a business networking event. I was 18. Uh, again, I, I said I was so compelled by the idea that I'd had to, to donate books to girls around the world and mentoring groups with a curriculum. And I, you know, heard mentor mentorship slash networking is really prevalent in entrepreneurship and it's like a way to get to know people and I was still trying to figure out how I was going to donate the book so I go to this networking event at the Four Seasons in Denver and I realize I am literally the only woman in the room other than like miscellaneous wives and girlfriends of all the men in the room and I'm also the youngest by far and I'm trying to like keep up you know I have like a friend who brought me there who's a bit older than me and he was a male and had a, a pretty successful product and and I'm talking to people and I, I tell this one man like, oh, this is what I'm working on. He was kind of like, first of all, shocked that I wasn't like the guy's girlfriend and that I was actually there as an entrepreneur, which was wow. wild. And I'd say, I want to donate books to girls, to girls around the world and mentoring groups, like same thing. And I remember he just looks at me up and down and says in this smug voice, that is a tall order, which I just remember being like, what, how is that a tall order? Like, seriously, <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad that I had the perspective to be like, what are you talking about? And like, why do you feel comfortable saying that to me? Because I think for a lot of people, they'd be like, oh gosh, maybe it is a tall order. And I definitely had a few moments of that in the back of my head where I was like, if he feels so comfortable saying that and like kind of laughing in my face, like, is, does he think that it's a too tall of an order for me? And so I don't know, there's a lot of people who thought when I launched the nonprofit, you know, I had I was, I was pretty young. I was 18. I think people thought I launched it just to say that I launched it. They're like, Oh, you want to say you have a website, et cetera. And I'm like, no, I'm actually out to do good. Like I'm actually out to donate hundreds of books and like change lives and empower girls. And so mainly the thing that I wanted to prove others wrong on is like, I'm not doing this for my ego and it's not a tall order. And if I set my mind to it, I can do it. And a lot of that, like proving people wrong is not like about me and about like trying to elevate myself. It was more about like, let me show you what you could do too, if you put your mind to it. 
Right. I love hearing that. And I think that's basically what sparked you to create your the recent book, right? The Her Big Idea. Yeah. And yeah. Mm-hmm. No, go on. <laughs> oh, no, I was, I was just going to expand upon that where I thought you were asking. Yeah, you go. No, go yeah. for it. My, my main thing with Her Big Idea, too, is so basically after I started the nonprofit, I started a for-profit as a sister company with um, the woman who was the chief financial officer to the nonprofit at the time. And uh, we were good as co-founders until we weren't. And so we had a lot of disagreements. We didn't see things eye to eye. And basically, the really, really long story short, but I get into it in my book, the second company went under. Mm-hmm. And well, it didn't go under. She decided to close it. But again, the full story is in my book. But my point was with um, my book, Her Big Idea, to help people understand that whether or not your idea succeeds or fails, it's still so worth the adventure of going after it. Because I was, you know, looking back at the things that I had started and the whole journey and how I devoted three years of my life to my ideas. And, you know, when things fail or when they end or when you move on from them or other opportunities present themselves, of course, there's sadness. Like we're the same way in our lives, right? Like if you had a really good friend and then the friend moved away or you outgrew the friends, like there's so much sadness with saying goodbye to things, but it's also part of life that it happened to begin with. And my whole concept of going after a big idea is like, if you feel called to go after something, there's probably people you're supposed to meet and things you're supposed to experience and things you're supposed to learn from the experience of going after that big idea. So you can't stop yourself because you're scared of failure because most ideas just, just saying they'll either evolve until they're nothing like what they were at the beginning, or you'll go after it. And then eventually you'll decide to move on, or maybe the company will fail. Or, you know, it will go on and it'll span generations and generations become like this huge family business, but then still it'll change its business plan. Like nothing truly is forever. So how can you take advantage of the desire and the impetus or that little spark of like, yeah, I want to go after this right now and trust that it's going to guide you to the right place that you need to go. And therefore you can release the expectation or the attachment to an end outcome for the idea. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people also just wait for this right timing, right? I mean, there is no right timing. I remember even like this podcast, I started it last year, but I it had been brewing in my head for quite some time. Yeah. Like when a podcast was, you know, booming. And this was like, I remember telling my friends like, oh, this is a podcast. And they would look at me and say like, why would you listen to podcasts? Like, why, why are you not listening to music? Like it was such a weird concept then and I remember just like listening to podcasts and thinking oh I can do that or oh I want to do that and it really and I was I had the same thought that you just mentioned just like what am I waiting for just do it and if it fails or not necessarily fail if it doesn't work out whatever right like then I would know and I could just either move on or do something else so I think it's yeah I definitely agree with you 100% um I want to know when Forbes called you (laughs) and named you today's, one of today's most influential female speakers. Talk, walk me through that day. What was it like when you got that call and how did you feel? So it wasn't, I didn't get a call. I wish I had like this cool moment, but oh, I was sorry. asked to give a quote about, um, yeah, about speaking and about like your messaging or I don't know, it was something about speaking. I actually forget. And um, then when the article came out, it was how it was worded. And so that was really exciting. And Yeah, it was special. I will say like sometimes getting big awards or accomplishments or press or, you know, whatever it is, like it sounds so exciting from the outset, but honestly, like when you're in it, there is this degree of, oh, that's it. (laughs) Like not to say that I'm not grateful, but I think people put, you know, big awards or big names at the top of a mountain. And it's really about 
there, there's so many smaller moments. Like I would say maybe you asking me about like the first time I ever, I ever spoke in my first like speaking experience, like that moment in which they clapped at the middle of my, at the middle of my talk after I finished that one story, like that was such a profound moment for me over and above, like getting recognized by something. Mm -hmm. And I say that, and I'm like taking this approach to answering the question, not because I'm not grateful or not because I, you know, don't use it at all my marketing materials, but rather because I just don't want anybody to think like, if you don't have these accomplishments or accolades and this like very resume sense that you are not succeeding or that that's like the end all be all because and the journey of entrepreneurship and going after your dreams, the biggest and the best moments are usually the ones that you'll create for yourself and getting recognized is amazing, of course. But I also think you'll, you get recognized as a byproduct of you recognizing yourself, if that makes sense. And like cheering. Totally. Yes. You got to be your own cheerleader first. Yes. <laughs> so who are your role models right now or who were your role models growing up? So growing up, I, Oprah was always a huge one. And I'd say that she still is just because of who she is and everything she stands for. And especially her spiritual aspects, because I'm such a spiritual person. I'd also say now I really look up to people like Gabby Bernstein, um, Teal Swan. When I was growing up, I, I went through a phase <laughs> where I wanted to be the first female president. So I looked up to <laughs> Gerald Sandberg, Hillary Clinton, obviously RBG just so many women who paved the frontier for, for other women and other generations. And it's just inspiring to see how many women have gone out there and made the world know their name. Right. And mm -hmm. yeah, have helped and inspired so many people along the way. So, I mean, my role model is always changing a little bit. Like I admire so much about so many different people that there's not like one person I'm striving to be exactly like, but um, I'd say it's always been Oprah if I had to choose anybody. Yeah. She's, She's top. She's on top of my list as well. Mm -hmm. So it seems like you have done so much. Um, and I want to know when you look back at your journey thus far, when have you felt the most challenged? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll say that I could, I'm technically going through like a period of challenge right now, just like to be really honest, like I moved out here for my dreams. The industry is still pretty shut down. And I think the biggest challenge is when you are, I didn't reeling from like feeling stuck or feeling set back or having a hard time seeing a way to move forward. So that's been a big one. And I just share that candidly because I think sometimes people can look at my life and be like, Oh my gosh, she has it all figured out or things look so amazing. And it is so amazing to live in New York city. And I'm so grateful for everything that I do have, but there are, you know, there are challenges that come with that. And then aside from that, definitely when that company failed and I had to start from scratch <laughs> and like rock bar bottom, that was, mm -hmm. that was really hard. Uh, that was, I, I felt embarrassed. I felt ashamed. I felt hurt. I felt angry. And ultimately though, I, I see how that served a larger purpose and how now I can help people demystify failure and not be so afraid of it because it's usually what you do after failure. That is like the real story and the real winning part of your life. Yeah, you're, I hear you talk about failure, but um, I'm curious to know how would you define success and how would you define happiness? Well, I love that. Uh, Jeff Hoffman is a mentor of mine, and he once said that he defines success as when you decide you wouldn't rather have anybody else's life other than your own. 
Mm-hmm. And I think about that a lot because I think, you know, even when you ask the question about role models, like then I was talking about Oprah and I'm like, Ugh, I wish I had Oprah's career. Right. Like <laughs> I would say success is just when you get to a point where you're like, you know what? I am like, I'm so happy to be me. I know I'm working hard. I love how things have come to pass. And honestly, that just comes from deep fulfillment and feeling like your own buckets are full. It's not a race compared to other people. Like I think we all have different sized buckets, so to speak, or our buckets are filled by different things and our buckets are different. You know, the things that make us decide that we are fulfilled are different. Um, And then happiness, I'd say is happiness has to be something that comes from within. So my point is like, there's so many times even in just like my day-to-day life where I get like a big influx of followers or something exciting happens, or I hear back from like a potential brand partner or client or something exciting happens. And then I get happiness from that, but there's something that has to be completely different where you feel happiness on your own without having to derive it from external sources. It's just like that quote that says, if you are always relying on outside validation for nourishment, you will always be starving. Um, or the quote, something along those lines. But I really like that because you have to be able to find happiness and little moments, like every morning when you wake up and going through uh, your morning routine, just as just by yourself, you know, before you like check in with the world and try to like weigh yourself up against other people success wise, or see if you heard back from that email or see like how a video or a picture you posted did overnight. Like it has to be something deeper where you feel like today I'm aligned. I'm excited for the day. I love my life as it is or I'm learning to love my life as it is, and I choose to be happy. Yeah, those definitions that you mentioned are powerful. I think sometimes when I think about what my definition is, sometimes I need to take a moment and say like, oh, I don't know. But I love just how you define both of them. You also touched a little bit on morning routine. So why don't you share what your morning routine is like? Sure. So I have a hard and fast rule not to check my phone for the first 30 minutes of the day because mm-hmm. your mind is still in a weird wonky brainwave state called the theta brainwave state. When you wake up theta and alpha, which means that most of the things that you see right when you wake up. So if you like check your phone and you check your email, you check social media, it imprints in your mind in a more profound way than usual because your mind is more impressionable. So that means that if you wake up and you see something like a hate comment or something that annoys you, like right off the bat, it's going to be really hard to get out of that state for the rest of the day. Or if you like, you know, see an email in your inbox and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to get back to this. You'll get into a stress state. So taking ownership of the day starts with that first 30 minutes to hour of the morning. So I get up, I make my coffee. And while my coffee is brewing, I have this little gratitude journal where I write down three things that I'm grateful for. And I really talk about it in definition. So it's not just like, oh, I'm so grateful that I had such a good day yesterday with my friend. It's like, I am so grateful to have felt so seen, heard, and understood by my friend. And that, you know, we had the best creme brulee ever. <laughs> like really mm-hmm. go into detail about how it made you feel, you know, grateful. So you can kind of relive or revisit the good moment. And then I write down three things that I am manifesting, but I write it in the same format. So just as I said, like, I am so grateful for blank, like something that I'm currently experiencing. I'll write down something like, I am so grateful to get to be a TV show host. And then I'll go into the same level of detail, uh, just like as a little mind trick. And that also orients my thoughts for the day around my goals and what I'm working towards. Because a lot of times, you know, we all have goals, you know, and we're like, yeah, I know what I'm working towards. But unless you write it down every single morning and really have that be the first thing you think about in the morning, there's a tendency to kind of go throughout your day 
out of alignment with it. You just have to keep bringing yourself back into alignment with your goals. After that, I do a brief meditation. I recommend the morning meditation by Joe Dispenza, which you can just find on YouTube. But a lot of that's just like calling my energy back and then doing some visualization. And then sometimes while I'm drinking my coffee, if it's like a slower morning, I don't have to get into a call immediately. I will read a self-help book, my favorite, or like a spiritual <laughs> book while drinking my coffee, just once again, to master the mindset. Mm-hmm. I definitely have a similar morning routine. So I want to know, like, when did you actually start doing the gratitude journal and just this whole, you know, the whole structure? Was this something that has always been instilled in you for a while? Or did you make the decision to really prioritize yourself for the morning? I would say I used to not have a morning routine for a really long time. And it was just the more that I, I kept hearing everyone talk about the morning routine right. or they said how powerful gratitude is. And it's, it is so important. And I just, I'd never written down really like that gratitude before. So, um, I've started it recently, but it was funny. I was just on a TikTok live the other day and I was, I was skimming through the book and even just like the list of the three things I'm manifesting. And I hit hundred K on TikTok a few weeks ago. And so I was talking, Congrats. thank you. That's so sweet. <laughs> and so I was talking to my audience about it and I flipped open my book too in June. And one of the things that I was manifesting was an audience of 50 K that I can inspire, educate and entertain every day. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's crazy. You know, like at that time mm-hmm. I felt like that was such a big reach for me, you know? <laughs> and that's why it's cool to reflect and just be like, wow, the things that I have now are the things that I once like never never thought I could have or mm. it felt so far off. And so I just think it's cool to have a little booklet that reminds you of those things. Yeah, for sure. It sounds like you're great at everything. You're great at manifesting your dreams, uh, motivating others, public speaking. But what is one thing that you can openly admit that you are not really good at? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm terrible at letting go of control. <laughs> Okay. I, yes. Yeah. Me Which too. Because it's like a huge, you know, spiritual principle and it's always like, mm-hmm. trust the process. And I am just, right. person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know. I'm very, I'm very like controlling as well. I mean, like for my own life. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but I said, so, you know, opportunities for growth. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you, you can't be perfect. You know, we all have flaws <laughs> and things. That we oh, have I have many make. more flaws than that, but that's the one where I'm like, wow, I really have come up against that one lately. <laughs> Yeah. So I often transition uh, the conversation in the middle part, which is about now. And I ask my guests, what keeps you up at night? Mm. I don't know if you, I don't know if it relates to what you said before when I asked, you know, when have you felt the most challenged? Um, But right now in this very moment, um, what is stressing you out? What's on your mind? Yeah, because I feel like if I didn't, well, I don't really know you, <laughs> but you seem like a go-getter, somebody who's constantly filling up your schedule, uh, doing everything you can and more, but I don't think we take the time to really uh, talk to strangers, right, about our insecurities or stresses and burdens, mm. so if you can reveal right now just, like, what's what's on your mind, what would that be? <laughs> yeah, I would say... Honestly, like the state of the world right now is just heavy Mm -hmm. and I just wish, cause like for me, it's all about helping people with go after their big dreams. Like nothing means more to me. And, and sometimes it's, it's hard to 
advise others when things are the way they are right now. You know, it's like, go after your big dreams, but also most of the industries are closed and like, <laughs> you know, the job market isn't looking at hot and the economy mm -hmm. looks like it's about to cry. You know, it's like all these other things that I'm still trying, I guess that goes back to my control aspect too. Like I'm such an optimistic person and I want to give other people the sense that their lives are in their hands and they can form their realities and they can go after anything, but also like 2020 is pushing back really hard. <laughs> and yeah. I, it's just, it's hard for me to say the right things and help people in the way that I most want to, when they are coming up against these challenges. And I am too. So I don't know, I guess I didn't even realize how much that was bothering me until I just said it out loud. But <laughs> my gosh, like <laughs> I know. The only and trust me, I feel the same exact way. And I feel like the only reason why I'm not too hard on myself is the fact that this is a global pandemic, right? Yeah. In psychology, they say that in order like when you develop a positive mindset, it's often when you look at it and say, Okay, it's not just me. Mm -hmm. and it's it's almost like a one-time thing you know fingers crossed <laughs> so hopefully <laughs> once this all passes like we will get all get back on track you know so yeah, I love that. I feel you on that <laughs> yeah I think that perspective is so important and it's also just it's important too to like validate how you feel because since I am so positive it, I just don't think I've really looked at how frustrated I am with things until just now where you asked that question, which I, mm -hmm. I thank you so much for asking that and like getting into a vulnerable conversation here. But it's also important to, it's great. I mean, please be positive and optimistic and all of that. I'm almost saying this to myself too, but it's also important to just look a little deeper and be like, Hey, what is bothering you? Like what is bugging you? And then hold space for those emotions so that you can see them like out in daylight because they're so much scarier when they're in the dark sort of so to speak right like that, yeah the thing that keeps you up at night is the thing that is kind of brewing beneath the surface and you just feel this general sense of anxiety and disease and you don't know where it's coming from and then once you're able to talk about it and air it out you can start to transform it oh that is so that could not even be much more relevant in my life I'm doing therapy and it was one time last week I went into my session honestly feeling feeling great and I was like you know loving life and then we started talking and I was like oh my god I'm actually not that I'm not okay but we were unpacking so many things from that simple you know question of just talk it out like what's stressing you out and you start to I guess uh shed these layers and get to the core of the issue and I think that's something that we all can like relate to. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that you said shed those layers. That's so good because it's, it is almost like layers of an onion. <laughs> like you no, keep yes. it back more and more. And we do have a tendency to just like push it down and be like, mm, that's bothering me, but I'm trying to, I'm not going to think about that right now. You know, I'm going to drown it out mm -hmm. with watching a Netflix show or going to see a friend. And like, those are great coping mechanisms, but it's also so important to take those steps, like going to therapy or for me, like I work with an emotional freedom technique practitioner and just like really evaluate, like what is bothering you? Because until you fix it, it's almost like, it's going to hold you back from other things. Even if you, if, even if you feel like you're handling it well, yeah. so to validate the pain. Mm -hmm. So this podcast is called the city confession. Just to give you a little background, I'm a native New Yorker and you know, I've been meeting so many people even before this podcast, just growing up, I come across so many people and I've always was fascinated by people's stories because not everybody is from New York. You know, they would, 
book a one-way ticket or move for a job or for love. <laughs> and I always thought that it would be interesting to just create a platform where we can essentially share stories, but also share, but also share confessions. <laughs> so, I know, now it gets juicy. <laughs> so with that being said, if you can share a confession, again, this can be silly, it can be deep however you know however you want to answer it but if you were to review a confession um what would that be oh man this is such a good question i feel like every time i ask people start to freak out and they're like oh my god what is my confession but i guess some of the questions i think would be helpful in maybe coming up with an answer is like you know like what is one misconception you think people have of you yeah. Or what is one thing you wish people asked more often or knew about you, like a fun fact or just, yeah, something, something like along those lines. Hmm. Okay. That's so good. I would say a confession is that <laughs> I, as like confident and courageous as I come across deeper down, I don't like, I almost feel like I'm acting when it comes to the confidence. Mm. And yeah, I guess like sometimes that is part of like what can weigh on me. I actually have a YouTube video coming out today with a vlog exploring courage and I, and I share some of that, but I still feel like I didn't share truly the heart of it about like how, especially in entrepreneurship or in dream chasing, there's going to be all these big wins. I mean, hopefully, but in between the wins, there's long periods of like droughts where you don't know if there's going to be another win, you know, or you don't know like where you're going to make your next paycheck, so to speak. Or, you know, if anything is going to turn out the way that you're working towards it turning out that way. And so that's just where I've really, really, really had to release a sense of control and like control what I can, but then leave the rest up to destiny. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess I would say that that's like my confession that like, I certainly don't have everything figured out and deeper down, I'm scared. Mm -hmm. This is a running theme in my podcast. So just obviously know that you are not alone. Like so many people share that they don't have their life together, how they experience imposter syndrome, how confidence doesn't come naturally. So I just also want to celebrate that because like you said previously, it's important to honor your feelings and and the mood and the phase that you're at right now and I think it's important to just also normalize that you know I think with social media it's always so common to say like oh you're living your best life or like I'm living my dream but it's also important to say you know what I'm not feeling my best today yeah and that's today but it doesn't mean that I you know can't feel my best tomorrow like it's I just I don't know I just think it's so important to just really be real with ourselves and with others. Yeah. And I just, I don't think there's a, there's a lot of that because I mean, we all know that Instagram is a highlight reel in general, but it's also even just when I was, you know, saying when I said that I'm scared part just now, I'm like, Oh my gosh, that felt so vulnerable to say out loud. And like, you know, even people, you know, we make strides to be vulnerable on social media, but like how vulnerable are we really? Cause sometimes we're like, no, I, I feel like I shouldn't talk about this. I don't want to burden other people or I mean, there's all these reasons that we don't speak up and share how we really feel, but it's also just uniting to know that a lot of us feel that way. And if we just had that deeper conversation, maybe we would, we'd all feel a little less behind and a a little bit less alone. 
Yes, you hit on such a good point because the biggest reason why I wanted to create this platform was because I have confessions and past struggles and like trauma that I really wanted to share. And it took me such a long time to be comfortable doing so. And I have done in some solo previous episodes, but a big part of it was this fear. But once I became vulnerable and told my story, I felt so liberated, one. And two, for the most part, I was very well received. You know, like I don't think, luckily I didn't get any like bad feedback or anything. And I think it's scary, but there's this sense, like you said, control. Like once you release it, I feel like it's almost like you're holding your breath. And mm. once you share your story, you can finally breathe. And it's just so, exactly. so liberating. I love so. that. <laughs> yeah. And thank you for creating a space that's dedicated to that. And I also love that it's city confessions. <laughs> yeah, I, because I'm, I have so much New York pride. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And then it's also just like, as you said, New York City is just an emblem of so much for so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think the song New York, New York by Frank Sinatra really encapsulates that. Like, oh my God, all the sure. emotions associated. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. The city is like, it's crazy. Like, I always say it eats you up and like spits you back out, but like, you still like wouldn't want to have it any other way. Yeah. I love <laughs> that. We should put that on a bumper sticker. I know. <laughs> uh, but right now, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge your presence and your energy and showing up a hundred percent and being present with me I feel like I've been doing this for over a year and a half and I never take people's time for granted I think just with you I know that you you do a lot of you know public speaking and I guess like interviews and all of that but I also know that time is valuable So I just want to take a moment now to appreciate you and to truly thank you for sharing your story and talking with me and the listeners. Well, thank you so much. I truly enjoyed it. And it was, it's such a different podcast episode than I've ever recorded before. And that's because of the space that you created for it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, before we actually close it out, I have two more questions. Okay. So, <laughs> um, what is the one thing you love most about yourself? I love my resilience and how I bounce back after I've had a hard day. Mm-hmm. That's great. I love that you knew what to say. <laughs> um, I think sometimes people have a hard time doing reflection and like you said before, like complimenting themselves, but I don't think it's uh, surprising that you did have an answer so quickly, knowing that you are spiritual and a very self-reflective person. And I'm sure the journaling helps you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the last question is basically a chance for you right now to plug in all of your information. I know that you are currently working on your third book, but do you have any other secret projects that you can share with the listeners? What can... Uh, the world to be on the lookout from you, Haley, in the next three months in 2021. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> in the next three months, I'm actually launching a mastermind. It'll be over the course of a month to help people go after their big dreams with, of course, a manifestation uh, 
I would say twist, but yeah, it's like kind of like a foundation of manifestation, but it was highly requested. So I'm building out the rest of it right now and we'll be launching it probably here in November. And I just hope to continue with YouTube videos because I've been excited about things there. I'm publishing my second video on there today. And hopefully one day I'll have my own TV show. <laughs> I'm going to say it and manifest it right here. Yes. I mean, you can do it. If anybody could do it and make it happen, it's definitely you. You're like cool. the walking example of somebody who can not only dream it, but make it happen. So thank I believe you. in you. <laughs> <Lots of me. laughs> well, thank you so much, Haley, for coming on. I will leave all of her information in the show notes. So be sure to follow her and stay tuned for next week's episode. I hope you guys all have a great day, week or weekend or you know, whatever time you're listening to this on. <laughs> and thank you again, Haley. <laughs> all right, bye. Bye.